We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Fight Island, Cater versus Ige. I'm in the uh, the old Fight Island getup again. One long weekend up there, braving the elements, and uh, it's probably hiding the bags under my eyes. Two, I'm superstitious, like very, very superstitious, always have been. We had a big card last time. Um, might as well keep the good times rolling. And three, it's to block off the radiating sun that is coming from... Cody Saftik, the hottest guy in the biz, just don't we're, talk we're, like that, man. I just well, printed. We yeah, had a good week. Let's money. have another How's, good week. I guess you got, your, you got your Hawaiian T-shirt on, so you can board your yacht. From the looks of it, congratulations no, no. on all the winnings. Yeah, it's actually real cold on this Toronto desert island outside. Kind of a not cold, I should say. It's kind of like a rainy, overcast type day. Have you bought a yacht? You know what? Talking about superstitious, now I feel like I should have taken my shirt off because I too am very. You can superstitious. take off your shirt. I at played any goalie. Time. There's hockey. I played hockey goalie for fuck, I don't know, fifteen years, and we are known. Because you just hang out all Same by here. yourself. Both goalies, by the way. Little known fact. Yeah, yeah. Very superstitious people mm-hmm. are goalies. Arthas Urbe, the most superstitious of them all. Why, why would you wear that stupid helmet for so many years? And he would leave it on the, like, uh, he wouldn't take it to the dressing room between periods. He'd leave it on the bench. Like, it couldn't leave the ice once it came out to the ice. It got fucked. Right. But for an untalented goalie, guy won some big games, man. Mm-hmm. He could ball. Absolutely. So anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah, got the Hawaiian shirt on, and hopefully we can keep the good times rolling. We should be pretty honest off the hop. Uh, the card was Saturday, and both I of us I didn't get back into civilization slept. until about 3 o'clock yesterday, and I didn't get home until like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, watched the fights by like 10, 9.30. So I haven't done tape study on this. So the, Take it with a grain of salt. The takes are not going to be as hot. I haven't placed a bet on anything on this. So at CJ Safdick for Cody on Twitter, at Paul Shag, 
um, for me at the PME. He, don't ask him any UFC questions. But uh, d- disagree. But well, uh, yeah, exactly. Ask him some DK questions because he's uh, he was setting me on the right path. I think this week. Um, but yeah, Pat, you've got some uh, some winners and giveaways from last week uh, last week's card that you want to. Let us know about. I'm, I'm terrible at reading these types of things. This is kind of Pat's jam. So yeah, we, we he's once, pretty good. We once had a thing where Paul tried to. Paul used to make his notes on the back of a Sig used pack. Sig pack. Yeah. Uh, then he would try he's to efficient. read out loud, and we would have a segment called Paul, Paul reads, reads out loud. Yeah. Paul reads did. things off Sig it packs. It was high comedy. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it on wasn't that front. great. So here are wasn't some people. Great. Uh, so please, everyone, smash the like button for the episode. The engagement in the comment section. I don't read my comments, but I read the comments for Paul and Cody. Some great comments, and then there's some like absolute jabronis in the comment section who think they know things and clearly don't. But I Go. like comments, so uh, feel yeah. free to give your two cents. Hey, yeah. If you want to hate us yeah, or yeah, love I us, just it. comment. I That's get good. it. And I do good read comments, them. bad comments, they all help the algorithm. So smash the like, leave your comment. Also, rate or review the Pat Mayo Experience and Dog and Pass podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. goes a long way to help keeping this show free. And based on some of these winners, you probably want to keep this free. So here's what we got. Four viewers of this show and downloaders, whoever you might be out there, were four of the 19 lineups who tied for first in the Millionaire Maker this week on DraftKings. So each of those people won 66,000. I didn't say 100. I said 1,421 dollars. One guy entered the same lineup twice. And got double that amount of money. So, so Dan sick. Mills, the big winner, his two lineups won $132,000, $824. Uh, Brandon Deary, 4K on DraftKings. D Papa, 01, $8,100 on DraftKings. Maddie Fallon, 66000 on DraftKings with a single bullet in the Millionaire Maker. Jared Price, 66000 yeah, We love talking about the single bullet. Too. MMA DGen. $72,700 on DraftKings. Jordano J, first-timer listener to the show, he won 9100 bucks. Nick Suarez, $1,900. Andy Kipmeyer turned 60 bucks into $2,000. Hadlin Stan, $1,900. Terrence turned $122 into $1,200. And Lawrence M, $33 into $1,200 as well. And that does not include all of the people that one gambling on this card, whether oh, it be the Yuri second round DK. finish prop at 10 to 1, yeah, whether it was money. the giant parlays that, that Cody was giving out, I won a fuck ton of money. Paul won $9,000 on DraftKings. Uh, we've got to show that out. a lot of other bets and a lot of things going yeah, on. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was absurd. So don't expect this every single week. Is yeah, all that was us. That you, was, you, missed your, you missed your shot. Overall, I don't. <laughs> that was us in God mode. So this event, we're just kind of like, oh. No, I want to get into it, buddy. Like, I mean, whenever you're ready. I'm expecting big Big things from Cody this week. I'm pumped up. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. But yeah, as the week goes on, weigh-ins and stuff, I'll have a better grasp. But I don't have... Yeah, don't tail anything I say right off of this show. Um, You know, look for clarification. See... If if we change, I'll I'll be I'll make a point of like putting some of my thoughts on Twitter this um, week. What he's last thing before I jump out of here in you guys' shoes and listen to your picks and try to win some more money. Mm-hmm. Two things. One, another UFC show will be coming later in the week. Yeah, there are two cards. <laughs> That's one. Two. I got bounced in the king of the cage. Ah. Uh, I played seven lineups on DraftKings. Uh, six of them would have advanced me. I picked the seventh one. So ah. not great on that. Who's front. who's the apple pie shitter, Pat? Uh, Cody's boy, not know, Tybora, the other jabroni. Frank. You know oh. what? You know oh. what? Pat, Pat messaged me and he's like, "What do you think about Tabora?" I says, "I'd switch off Tabora. I don't. I don't like Tabora. We switch off. I did that on Twitter." 
Switched if, off from, but you know what? He, would you have gone through if Tabor would have won? Because he still scored low. But you yeah, he did score low. Too, it would have been enough because I came 67th. I needed to come top 50. Uh, okay, okay. So two but points. No, two on, two things on, I want to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wow, hold on. Cody. <laughs> you know what? You made all these other people <laughs> money, and the one guy who who makes you look good behind the scenes here. You lost him money. Oh, no, I won money. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I did, but I just got bounced from that one thing. Yeah. But if Zarly Zalapsky gets his like rightful win, the I snooze move through. The snooze button. Mm-hmm. Who should have won? Uh, also, I t- calculated all of the money that was won between all the screenshots that were sent to me between DraftKings uh, and the gambling sites where people hit. Cody, how much do you think that minimum people won just based on those screenshots were? Four hundred and twenty thousand. Over seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Well, yeah. you know what? I'm a big proponent for gambling. And <laughs> <laughs> during tough times, you gotta do what you gotta do. But yeah, just like Pat was saying, one bad pick, you could lose someone. Like that's how it goes, dude. And if Volkanovsky yeah, drops that decision and especially rewatching it, I think we won. It was a close fight. One little thing could go wrong. That's how gambling is. So you know what you're getting I into. And what you're summing up with this whole, geez, you know, this card, and now there's this spot. What Paul, oh, what Paul I haven't done my research was Paul saying, yet. And was Paul we, saying. It's on Wednesday. If, it was on, if this was a Saturday card and we are doing this on Wednesday, I'd be ready. But I, you The know, original I name of the show was Bookie Beatdown. Because the attention then, as it is now, was to beat down the bookie. Pat says, what was it, over, over 700,000? Yeah. That's what we just took from collective bookies. Let's not give it back, folks. No, that However, was just, that was just DraftKings winners, I believe. Oh, poor DraftKings. No, 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 that was both. Okay. okay, right, oh, right, more right, right. Because right. technically, we like DraftKings. He's not counting so all my money in there let's, either. Let's not let's not drink DraftKings yeah. too right. I Anyways. mean, let's get into the action. Let's right? let, let, let's patting ourselves on the back. Let's get back into it here. We've got Calvin Cater taking on Dan Ige. Calvin Cater. Minus 300 favorite, Dan Ige, plus 250. What's your take here, Cody? Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to take the uh, plus 250 underdog right off the top, Dan Ige. I think that this is just a crazy price considering I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be a relatively close fight. I think it's going to go probably five rounds or at least deeper into the fight. Dan Ige is a guy that's just showing off tremendous durability. He's got a lot of heart. He's got cardio. Yeah, we have seen this guy hurt, but we've seen him battle back every time. When he does get into those deeper rounds, it seems like he just kind of finds that extra kick. This is going back to the Kevin Aguilar fight, right? Which was three, four fights ago. But against Kevin Aguilar in the third round, it looks like he's slowing down a little bit. You know, he's known for his cardio, but he's ever so slightly getting tired. He pushes through, and he gives this interview afterwards words where he's like oh this is for everybody that when you get tired and you and you think about quitting you don't you persevere you push through that's cool cool little prospect on his way up let's see what he's got to offer moving on beyond that you just see him really starting to put the tools together his mm-hmm. boxing has largely improved again when you do see him stung in fights when you do see him see the Mursad Bektich fight it's a gut check performance fight he's taken down he's able to scramble back up his boxing in the Bektich fight looks phenomenal it's on point he hurts Bektich many times First round, I think he wins. Second round, he gets taken down by Bektich. Third round, it's close, but I do think he's the rightful winner of that fight. Going on to the Barboza fight, you see him get dropped by that left hook in the first round. He's hurt, but he's even hurt worse in the second round by that like, knee to the liver. Badly hurt. Perseveres. Chugs through. Now, I got Barbosa bet at the time. So when they read Ige's split decision, I'm pissed off, man. Same I'm here. pissed off. I right, am. right, right. But now, but now you got to put on your rear view mirror, uh, little sunglasses, and see, geez, I got to move on. Looking back, and I rewatched the fight. It's competitive. It's it was competitive. very close. It's competitive. We were just like, like, like we were talking about with Volkanovski. I just wanted to say something about that. I was talking to Pat just before we come on this. In this game, you're going to get the bad decisions. You're going to get the good decisions. You're going to get the good side of the splits and the bad side. So the more, like, over time, it's, you know, like, so I got the Volkanovski one. But there's, there's so many 
bets that you're going to lose over time with these split decisions. When you have close fights, I don't feel good about having Volkanovski in a parlay when he's minus 220 based on the fact of how close that fight ended up being. But yeah, I've won and lost those decisions for years upon years. It's like, that's just part of the game. So when people start freaking out about robbery, it's like, I think you just bet the other side and lost and you have sour grapes. Okay, now, but what I'm saying is Danny Gay's last two fights against good opponents have been close, split decisions. Some people thought he won, some people, Mm -hmm. just like you're saying, right? But right away, it's like, fuck, 250. And I'm expecting it to be another one of those close decisions. Like, why why wouldn't... Same thing with Zumagulov, and I said this last week. Geez, he's plus 140. It's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a greasy decision. I expect him to get the greasy decision. And he didn't. Did he get robbed? Whatever. You get some, you lose some. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm not bothered by it. But for for plus 140, plus 145, like, eh, I wouldn't make the bet again because I know he lost. But it wasn't wasn't the worst bet in the Mm -hmm. world to me. So again, with Dan Inge, if he gives you a full effort and for whatever reason he comes up short on the scorecards, at least it was a decent bet at 250. But but we're going back to the fact that that close fight with Bektich and people scored it against him, the judges give it to him. And that fight against Barbosa, close fight, a lot of people scored it against him. But the judges, they give it to him. And you get thinking, oh baby, Ali effect, full force. Dan Inge is not just a client of Ali's. In fact, he's not a client of Watch Ali's at all. You, right? No, 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 no. Watch the claims that you uh, that you say here. No, I'm unprepared because <laughs> okay. I know where you're going with this, and I'm too smooth for that. I don't mm-hmm. want to give back all my money in, <laughs> in legal defenses. I don't want you to do that. Dan Ige is good friends with Ali Abdelaziz, mm-hmm. the greatest manager in the game. To my knowledge, I don't think he's managed by Ali Abdelaziz. I think Butler and uh, Sucker Punch Entertainment are technically on paper, so that's strange in itself. When it's close decisions, Ige gets, Ige gets those close decisions. Since that Aguilar fight, you watch him. The boxing got way better. Uh, he, he himself has rounded out. Everything's rounded out, but the cardio has especially rounded out. So this goes back to, not my fucking accusation, so I'll just throw it out there. (laughs) Mike Russell, who loves taking shots at Ali, so do with this information as you will. But this tweet was from April 11th, 2019, okay? He's referring to Ali when he says he's on TRT, and then as he says, he's on TRT, Ali, in quotes. Dan Ige picks up his prescriptions for him. A manager reported it to USA Anti-Doping. I reached out for comment. Not sure if he's been tested since, but it's irresponsible and selfish for Ali to let him handle illegal PEDs for him so so he isn't seen leaving the clinic. Then somebody in the comment section goes, Ige juicing too? And Russell responds, no idea. But the fact is he's handling packages to protect Ali's image is a gross is a gross oversight of judgment by all involved parties. Maybe someone in the media who they haven't blocked can ask them. I can DM the clinic name and address he was seen leaving more than once. Talking about Ige, okay? Allegedly. No, 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 it's definitely allegedly, okay? So then then, then a very interesting tidbit is during the commentary for the Merzside Bektich fight, Ali's front row fucking losing it, bud. Just <laughs> screaming instructions. And they mention, they say, Ali Abdelaziz, Dan Ige's business partner, they don't call him his friend. They don't call him his manager. They call him his business partner. Kind of strange. Then you watch that Barbosa fight, and it's like the third round. This dude ain't getting tired, man. Like, he's just still chugging along. He's only 28 years old. He's in the prime of his life. I think he's like, I don't know. I think his birthday's like August 8th or something. So he's mm-hmm. a few weeks removed from his 29th birthday. Prime of his life, improving every single fight. So, so now let's get off his nuts for a second and talk about Calvin Cater, who is a absolute badass. Probably the best and boxer you, in the division. Right, right. And, and I get him being the favorite. I just yes. don't think he should be a minus 300 Me favorite. Neither. So he's absolutely crisp with the boxing. And for somebody that known as the Boston finisher had so many decision wins in his career, lately you just see his it's precision. Oh, it's really coming together. You look great. But yeah, minus 300 is a massive price tag here. Right. Like I think... 
so then looking at Calvin Cater is what I want to talk about. When you look at Calvin Cater in these fights, right? Uh, let's say let's say the Hanato Moicano fight, right? Or even the Shane Burgos fight. Shane Burgos, when Burgos is backing up Calvin Cater, Qatar, however the fuck you want to pronounce Cater. it. Cater. Cater, I pronounce it Cater. When he's fighting Burgos, when Burgos is backing him up, that's when Burgos has his most success. Competitive through two in the third round, Cater catches him. The Hanato Moicano fight, Hanato Moicano just goes to the leg kicks over and over and over. He outstrikes Cater like 102 to 33, but it's a great leg kick game plan. Going to the Zabit fight, Zabit's first two rounds, Zabit's pushing Cater back. And Cater says after the fact, you know what? I got a slow start. I just didn't start in the first two rounds. But what it was is Zabit's pushing him back in the first two rounds. When Zabit tires in the third and Cater's allowed to finally move forward, that's when Cater has all the success. Moving on from that, you have the Jeremy Stevens fight. Jeremy Stevens wins the first round. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Stevens is in this motherfucker's face in the first round. He's being aggressive. In the second round, he starts to tire, and so he starts to back up. Then as soon as he gets stung once, he starts to back up. Cater just swarms this guy. That's where I think this one will go different. Danny Gay moves forward a lot. He, he's a pressure-type fighter. His boxing is good enough that I think shouldn't be able to hang with Cater for the entire fight standing. But being able to mix up the wrestling here and there, try to get this guy down, try to grind him up against the cage, make this a close fight. He's been getting close decisions. He's in Abu Dhabi. He very is much in the cards to get a close decision in this fight. And I think for that reason, Danny Gay, a live dog at plus 250, and it would be my pick in this spot. And again, I, I, we could talk a lot more about Calvin Cater here and how good he is, but the bottom line is my fucking pick is Danny Gay. And I'm going to definitely watch all the tape in the world that I can, but unless this price comes down yes. a massive amount, I'm still, going to, I'm still going to pick Danny Gay. Pat, you have something to say? Danny Gay, 6-1 to one by decision. Six to one by five rounds, yeah. rounds. Five rounds a long round. Five rounds a long round. We haven't seen these guys go the five rounds the same way. Dan, Dan Ige is also a BJJ black belt. Uh, he's got good submissions. He buzzed saw through lesser competition on I the ground. It's just finished like in no round joke. four or five. Yeah, yeah. We, we yeah. just don't have enough. I don't know. I, don't I would, I would bet. I, think, it, I, I would I bet it that, straight up because it's already two fifty. I would bet straight up because it's already yeah. two fifty. However, see how the week plays However, out. six to one. I will admit. I will admit. A guy like me would have some small shares of that as well. But the real call is if you're just going to take. Yeah, I'm just. Just take them. I think, yeah, I'm just taking the 250. Be on my way. Uh, we got uh, Tim Elliott taking on Ryan Benoit. Uh, Tim Elliott, minus 125. Benoit, plus 105. My God. Knee-jerk reaction is <laughs> I want to bet Tim Elliott. And, like, he's just looked lost. Lost for, especially, like, since he's, I guess, since he's been in Vegas. when Since he left, like, Glory MMA and Fitness, and he was with James Krause and those guys there. That was the best he ever looked. That's when he had his title run. That's when he was on The Ultimate Fighter and all of the successes. Uh, he went out to Denver. I think that worked out okay, but I don't know. He's He's been very active, obviously, during the COVID era here, but he's just looked like he doesn't have more than a round's gas. Um, this is a fight that I feel like he should be able to win. So I want to bet Tim Elliott. Can we trust Tim Elliott, Cody? <laughs> well, can you trust Tim Elliott? That the answer to that question will probably always be no. Mm -hmm. However, in this case, we're going to have to trust Tim Elliott yep. because he's going to be the official pick on the spot. You'll be happy to know after he got clowned out his last time out, uh, left Las Vegas, went back to Glory MMA yes. in Kansas. He's only been there for three weeks. That's Gina okay. Mazzani went with him. Good, um, but that's got to put him in a better place. Uh, James Krause and, Ch and Grant Dawson are his cornermen. They're the guys that have traveled mm -hmm. with him. So you know he's straight up. Yep. <clears throat> it's just focus about this guy. When this guy's on, there's no doubt. And we'll talk about DK. So awkward. Tim Elliott. 
Tim Elliott is a wrestling machine, and Ryan Benoit can wrestle himself, by the way, but Tim, he'll just get you down. He'll just get you down, and he'll keep grinding away at you. You're absolutely right. It has looked like he's been getting fatigued, and I think that we've been associating that to the time in Thailand, and the time in Vegas, and the hanging out on the zombie mummified mode on the Vegas Strip, and like, what's this guy doing? And he's got a girlfriend now, and she's a bartender on the Vegas Strip, and a pro wrestler, and sometimes a UFC fighter, depending on if it's a late-notice dropout. But just like, what's this guy's lifestyle? And, And at least him being back in Kansas... I would think it's probably that, a good thing that even him. if he had the exact same cardio that he had in the Brendan Roy Val fight, right? If he had the exact same cardio in that, as he did in that fight, he would use it better because he shot 117 takedowns in the first round against. I'm joking, but you know what I mean. He mm-hmm. takes Roy Val down four or five times in the first round. He's just chain wrestling him and he gasses himself out. Now it's important to know Brendan Roy Val's five foot nine, and because he trains at, in Denver at altitude, he doesn't really slow down. So I think Elliot trying to take down this much bigger guy eventually played. Dividends over time, right? Where he's just he was able to slow down. When you look at Brian Benway, five foot five, he's a much smaller man, and in fact, he's a career 125 pound fighter. Uh, this fight is at 125 pounds, and, and so I want to talk about that in a second. But with Elliot, at least he's in a good place, and he puts that wrestling together. He makes better use of his cardio, and he has maybe a, a, I wouldn't say a striking advantage. He's way too loopy, but he's a tricky type fighter where he can land a couple eye appealing shots and then get to that shot. If he does that, he should be able to grind away at Ryan Benoit, tire him. Benoit doesn't have great great cardio and get that decision. So now let's talk about Ryan Benoit. He's just had all types of inactivity in his career. Prior to him fighting his last fight against Haile Adelang, which was just under a year ago, he had taken a two-year gap since that. He beat Ashcan Mokhtarian. We all know your feelings about the trash can Mokhtarian. He's in jail now too, isn't he? And he went three Trash rounds. Can. He went three rounds. He knocked him out in the third round, but it wasn't like it was an overwhelmingly good performance. Now, now, this is where I'm going with this. He comes in at 129 against Trash Can. Mm-hmm. So he missed the flyweight limit. And you know what? He's kind of a big fucking flyweight to begin with. Misses the limit, comes in at 129, doesn't look good against, against Ash Can. He takes two years off. Now he's a 29-year-old man. Now he's filling out. Okay. So he naturally moves to 135 pounds against Haile Adelaide. Okay. In the post-fight interview after the fight, he says. They say, uh, would you like to go back to 125 and fight 135? He says, you know what? I felt real good at 135. If I'm traveling internationally, if I'm going to any show outside of the U.S., like if I've got to do some traveling, I'll fight at 135. If I've got to fight close to home, I can still make 125. But we're overseas, and he's fighting at 125. He's right. already went back so on that, So this Cody. is a fight where you're going to have to watch for the weigh-ins, okay? I think Benoit Fair. either struggles mightily to make the weight or comes in looking like fucking shit, and then after a competitive first round where... Tim just tries to take him down a pile of times. He will tire. Mm-hmm. And despite this guy, this guy's been wrestling since he's like six years old. I think he was a state wrestling champion in Texas. But he never really advanced past that. And his inactivity in MMA is just, I don't think he's made the necessary improvements. Whereas Tim Elliott just gets guys down. And so for that reason, he's a fantastic DK play. And at minus 125, he, he would be the play. I couldn't tell you by submission or... or, or um, or by decision, because Tim Elliott is just an absolute wild card. Like, if he's really on his game and somehow he's in that right place he used to be, he can finish guys, absolutely can finish guys. If he's more trickster, float on the outside and try to use his chain wrestling guy, could still win the fight, but probably won't get you that submission. So that's a little bit different, but you don't need the submission when you get 15 takedowns. So, uh, 15 takedowns. well, I mean, he scored 12 earlier in his career. I doubt he'll get 15, but in, but in this spot, it's important to know. This is my last point we can move on. We've probably spent too much time on this. It's the co-main event, though. What the fuck? I mean, it's a Wednesday right, card. Right, we right. can't complain too much. It's a Wednesday card. The Haley, some good violence, the, the, so the, the Haile Alatang fight, which is in China, I'm pretty sure. But, but anyways, the first round, they're just banging away, right? And he's getting the better of the striking exchanges, mostly striking exchanges, but he does get clipped and he does kind of get dropped by, uh, by Alatang. 
doesn't matter. Recovers. I still give him the first round. Second round, he goes out there. Close round, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly striking. I, I scored the second round for him as well. So I, th- I thought I got robbed on the split decision. This is, this is the point, though. In the third round, Alatang, who's pretty much gassed at this point, and realizes he's losing the striking exchanges, is just like, fuck it, I'll try to wrestle him, and takes him down three times in, in, in the third round, right? And takes him down, geez. Benoit starts to fade. Benoit starts to allow the takedowns. And when he does get taken down, his get-ups aren't all that good. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's all just reasonings I think Tim Elliott will be able to squeak this one through. We have Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera taking on Cody Stamen. Jimmy Rivera minus 135. Stamen plus 115. We haven't seen Jimmy Rivera in quite some time. Um, and Stamen, obviously, coming off of his last fight. up uh, He fought at 145, Brian Kelleher. Um, he looked great. Looked great in that spa. They were asking him if he was going to stay at 145. He's like, nah, 135 is my division. And I think that was kind of the right thing. I, I'm, I'm under the impression this fight's at 145. Is that at 145? That's what I'm under the impression of. Interesting. Well, I mean... Pat, you can side check that if you want. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't have that the, in front of me right now. You, you have a on choice. Topology, they got it as 45. Okay, I'll, I trust Topology. Jimmy hasn't fought in 45 since 2009. But, He's like uh, five foot four. Yeah. He's really, really small. I don't like him at 145 reach, at all. What do, you, what do you think about this fight? Uh, okay, so honestly, I'd love to get behind Cody Stamen. As we talked about, literally fought, what, four weeks ago, and he was my Cody-Cody combination with Garbrandt. Those were good times. Um, I just I, The leg kicks really do kind of worry me in the spot because Stamen likes to stay on the outside. He's got a very wide stance, mm-hmm. and he likes to move a lot. And when Jimmy is just like, it's debilitating and crippling leg kicks, man. Like, you stand in front of him, he just chops away at you. And even the even guys like Peter Young, who we just saw win a vacant... And it, here's another thing with Jimmy Rivera. You talk about, wow, we haven't seen this guy in a while. And, geez, he's lost three of his last four fights. And Okay, so his last loss is to Peter Yan, who he went the distance with, who is the current uh, interim UFC champion. The loss before that was to Aljamain Sterling, who he went the distance with. That fight... Uh, Aljamain Sterling is the current number one contender to Jimmy Yan's newly crowned strap. And then two fights prior to that was Marlon Marias, who was a former title challenger and also the last man to knock out the number one contender, Aljamain Sterling. That's just the creme de la creme of guys to be fighting. So losing against them, I I don't know. And even just the, the, the fight with Peter Young. First round's competitive. You might even say Jimmy's winning, based on the leg kicks, by the way. The leg kicks are just on point. But he gets dropped near the tail end of the first round. So he probably loses that round. In the second round, man, he's competitive. He's doing good. But he gets dropped at the tail end of the second round. So now he's behind on the scorecards. Peter Yan just never stops, as you saw this weekend against Jose Aldo. He so, never stops. Again, very tough fight. But, but I do think that if Jimmy Rivera is getting a guy in, Cody Stamen doesn't finish nobody. This he is no disrespect to Cody Stamen. stand-up Stamen. game of a Peter Young. Yeah, no, his stand-up game is largely improved. And I was really happy to see that fight against Brian Kelleher. He used his jab a lot better. Mm-hmm. He used some decent leg kicks. But the fact, facts are facts. And these are his fights in the UFC. Terry and Ware by decision. Duke and Noy by decision. Careway by decision. Alejandro Perez by decision. He got robbed in the Song Yudong decision. And he went to decision with Brian Kelleher. Some of these guys are not even known for durability. And he's still going to decision with them. So I don't expect him to go out there and knock out somebody of the caliber of Jimmy Rivera. Who just went fucking the distance with the two best guys in the division. Mm-hmm. Outside of Henry Cejudo recently retired. So if he's going to win, he's going to have to stay on the outside. Use his jab and chip away at him. And the numbers in this last fight are, are decent against uh, Brian Kelleher. I think he lands 80 significant strikes. That's only the second time in his career he's landed 
80 significant strikes. Jimmy Rivera, not known for output either. No. But it's the power, right? It's the power is that Stamen hits you. If hit, Stamen hits you 80 times and Jimmy hits you 80 times, Stamen, it's point, it's point fighting a little bit. He's not a point fighter. He's got point fighting power, right? Like he's not really going to No, he wants to. He wants he's to, trying he's, to fucking knock you out. I mean, he's using his striking to set up his wrestling <laughs> yes. 99% of the time. Right. But well, take, well, not, not taking, 90, 90% of the time. And there's another great point is that he's taking down his last five opponents. He scores takedowns in all of his tough fights. tough when Jimmy Rivera is just built like a stovepipe. He's so short. It's tough to get underneath those hips. He's, he's, extre- he's extremely hard to take down because he's five foot four. And then here's the interesting part about that. He's five foot four, but he packs a 68 inch reach, right? Whereas Cody Stamen at five foot six has a sixty four inch reach. Mm-hmm. So despite being two inches taller in Cody Stamen, it's actually giving him four reach. inches in the reach department. That's and that's something that, that Jimmy has actually been able to to lure you. He can hit you from with the jab from the outside, and then as you come in, is when he chops away at you. Mm-hmm. And then the last point is that Stamen really fought Brian Kelleher right in his fucking face. His brother had passed away five days prior. He was probably in an emotional state. He hadn't let the grieving process begin yet. And he went out there motivated and stuck in Kelleher's face, and it was a great game plan. Sticking in Jimmy's face, probably not the game plan, because if you do stay in that range, he's going to use his most effective weapon, which is the leg kick. So... Yeah, and Jimmy's in good shape, I'll tell you. Jimmy's been campaigning for a fight on Twitter for a while. He's been saying, man, I want to get in there. Man, I'm in good shape. Man, I'm ready. I Man, I've been training. And Stamen has been as well, and he just fought. But imagine your brother dies. You get in. You, you have a lot of brothers. I have a brother. Mm-hmm. Imagine your brother passes away. You and you competed. Ryan, you competed at the highest level, and you picked up this huge emotional win. And then four weeks later, you're back in there. I almost feel like there would be a grieving process in that four weeks where it's like, oh, dude, I just won this fight. My, my emotions are settling. I'm having an adrenaline dump. I can finally cry and be like, man, tra- something tragic occurred to me in my life. But he just rebooks another fight in Abu Dhabi on an island, going against there against Jimmy Rivera, who, no offense, but Jimmy Rivera don't give a fuck about anybody's personal story. He needs a win here. He needs a win bad. And he's campaigning for mm-hmm. a big fight on Twitter. I- I'm going to assume he's in shape. If he is in shape, going to be a close fight. Going to be a close fight. But, uh, but, I, but I got Jimmy Rivera. And because it's 135, I'm taking Jimmy Rivera specifically by decision. What you got, Pat? It's 145. It's at 145. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that and yeah, that's that, what we fit. Yeah, and that and that could be a could could have been a problem. Could have been a problem. Let me tell you, they're both one thirty fivers. So yeah, they're both one thirty fivers. Jimmy fought at one forty five back in two thousand and nine, and Stamen has fought at one forty five as recently as his last fight. He also fought his UFC debut against uh, Terrian Ware at one hundred forty five pounds. So he's got the more recent experience. Jimmy Rivera though, he fought Dennis Bermudez on season fourteen of the Ultimate Fire to get into the house mm-hmm. at one forty five. He got knocked out. And then drop back down to 135, and th- those are all of his fights. So him mm-hmm. going back up to 145, if he was fighting a puncher, I'd think a narrative could be yeah. Jimmy might not be able to take the heat. heat. But because of Stamen, I just, you know, Stamen will really have to fight a perfect game plan, stick to the outside, and just jab away at this guy, not engage. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So 135 is a good enough price that I would take Rivera. Mm-hmm. I would take Rivera by decision to get some extra points on it. And, you know, close fight, but that, that would be the pick. Molly- I'm not super confident, that, but that's the pick. Molly McCann takes on Talia Santos. Molly McCann, minus 120. Santos, plus 100. Any takes here? So I would love to break down this fight, and we will, and we'll talk about it. But so maybe like a little bit of backdoor fuckery going down is that when you when you break down this fight, it seems Molly McCann all day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, l- let's just look at it from the surface, right? Molly McCann's been looking pretty good her last number of fights in the UFC. Good enough. Good enough. Not great, like you're saying. But... I didn't really say anything. I just went, eh. Well, you went in, eh, so I could I could feel you're on you're, you're on the fence about that. So I want I want I want to I want to shove it in your who'd face. I want to shove it in your fucking who'd face in a be? second here. She beat catch a beating. 
Let me let me let me start. Okay, so, so she loses. She really loses count. after being the Cage Warriors champ. She loses to Jillian Robertson. We laughed. Everyone Got laughs it. at the time, but Jillian ended up being Pounded. a decent grappler. Okay, wasn't even close. The catch a beating fight. Yeah, the ice swelled up. Yeah. She, but she landed 107 significant Almost strikes. Almost got finished in round three as like a minus Only 300. Only if the doctor stopped As it. a she minus not 300 favorite against Ketchup beating. But she landed... Is, a, it's dicey. But she landed dicey. A, but she landed 107 significant strikes mm. in that fight. Then against Ariane Lipsky, the former KSW champion. A former, they just a former wanted Muay Thai to champion. get a win, but they couldn't. And, and Molly McCann then landed 108 <clears throat> significant strikes, right? So just she landed 17. Now her next fight against Lipsky, 108. And then the last fight against Deanne Belbita... She lands 113 and five takedowns to boot. Yeah. A great DraftKings play, by the way. 113 significant strikes and five takedowns. Plus, she got five passes on the ground. Yeah, fucking great. This is something. She she's always in your face. She's always throwing leather. She's always grinding. Meatball. Not really much of a finisher. Cody's team. Meatball. But she but she's no 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 no. That's what I'm saying. This is gonna be a pass at the end of the day because oh. some back some backdoor fuckery. <laughs> you should pick meatball. I'm saying on the surface. Three-fight winning streak in the UFC. Landed over 100 significant strikes in all three of those. Won clear decisions in all three of those. Momentum on her side. Taylor Santos is 0-1 in the UFC. That loss was to Meryl Romero Barella, mm -hmm. and it occurred a year and a half ago. Okay, That's horrible. Barella is, is looked terrible. Okay, Barella doesn't have the tools that Molly McCann has and would not win a fight against Molly McCann. Fair. Right, okay, okay. Molly McCann was rightfully a minus 300 as of this morning. What? And is currently sitting as a minus 120. Really? Yeah, so there has to be something. There has to did be I, something. Did I? Did I? No, I thought you did oh, too. Down, as soon down as, to minus 110 now. As soon as you wrote it, I down thought, I thought that doesn't make any sense. I looked at this line this morning, and I saw down to 110. You smell that? <laughs> no, I, I smell it right now, motherfucker. <laughs> That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> as I just told you, Molly McCann should fucking when beat did, her. When did but... they book this fight? Was that, like a, was that a soft opener, and like some jabroni threw $100 on it, and he's actually a half-decent better and that just like hundred dollars yeah like that, how that long, moved how the long, line that much how long Paul? is no i know but some of those like when, when did this line get released how many days ago because if it was like open I, I, this morning well, yeah they open be at minus 300 and it just gets it like it wouldn't take like more than like a thousand dollars to just move these lines like uh, all over the place i, I, I actually don't think on, so. on a few spots santos is the favorite now and but do, and does it tell you when the line opened because it's uh, it actually sometimes does. I don't know how to fucking look for that. In yeah, UFC. whatever. Yeah, either okay. way, doesn't matter. Fuck, I get mad like hiccups and burps and Yeah, that's fishy. That is very fishy. Extremely fishy. So, so, and before I even, because you got to always look at the opponent. So mm -hmm. we talked about Molly McCann, and the the one thing I will admit against Taylor Santos is that at standing only five foot five, she actually looked pretty big against Meryl Romello. She's got some big legs on her. She's also pretty young at that time. I think she fought Borrell. She's like twenty five. She's only twenty seven now. Um, in the Barella fight, the first two rounds, she gives up takedowns. In that third round, her cardio checks out, was not tired, storming forward, trying to land strikes. It's just the suffocating game of holding her against the cage and taking her down was just too much for her. I expect that even though she's had three fights fall off, you haven't seen her in, in almost 16 months, I expect that we're going to see a better version of her. But in no way should a, a fighter, oh, she's 15 and no, she fought nobody. She came to the UFC and she lost to Barella on a split. Which she may have won, in my opinion, but doesn't matter. She lost to Barella on a split, and now after a 16th month layoff, she's taking on Molly McCann, who's just been active and is on a nice little streak, and is the type of fighter that absolutely beats Santos. And so the reason why the line moved that much, maybe somebody's there and somebody realizes Molly looks like she had a bad weight cut, and Santos looks huge. I, I, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know. I ain't there. Pat. 
I'm looking at an opening line article from dknation.draftkings.com. Shout out to them. Uh, but this is from July 12th, so yesterday at 10.26 a.m. Pacific. So okay. basically like noon Eastern, and the line is exactly the same as it is now. It's like minus 110, minus 110. Okay. So like that was probably a soft open. That got steamed. A bunch of people piled on there. It's like, that line seems out of control. Or that was only available in like one spot, and then it just adjusted to the rest of the market. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it later, but the pick as of last night was, <laughs> was Jack Shore 550, and then Jack Shore moved to seven very quickly, but it happened like so fast. Yeah, of course. This didn't, this this kind of happened like, I don't know, I think a few hours ago. Mm-hmm. So that that's what has kind of got me. It might be a soft open. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to admit. Cody's got greasy moved, theories on this. It moved so many points, it must have been soft. It must have been soft home. That's why I moved so many points. But mm. there's got to be something to be, to be said why s- suddenly people think Taylor Sanchez is going to win. So let's look at the weigh-ins for that one before making any yeah. sort and, of... Yeah, and, and, and if you see Molly McCann go start going back to 300, then maybe it's like, oh, it was all smoke and mirrors, then maybe jump back on her before she gets... Yeah. If you can restart, I didn't like 3-1, to one, but I like 220. You know, that's what I, I would have capped it as. She's got to be the nice perceived now, favorite. Buddy. Let's just I watch know. the yeah, watch the way. Don't put on all your tickets, we'll man. Give me some dirty fuck I, I, I finally, I, 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 I did this. this you back engineered it. Yeah, I back engineered it to see when the line was minus three hundred. Cody's right, but it was at the exact opening Thursday, June eighteenth at four forty-eight Eastern time. The line's and then been open and an, for a and while. an hour later, it normalized. Soft open. Soft open. So yeah, don't pay attention to that. An open hour. Line. It, it opened. You're saying June eighth. They open 8th. them. They open the lines at that book that does that. They open them. They open them. Whatever they think it should why be. Was and she, then why when people start pounding, one, why was she three to one yesterday? They know that they've made a mistake. Or did you what, see what? it three to one yesterday? Just you don't need to say the book, but like, did you actually see it, or was it like someone? Man, on are the you saw fake it, news? I, no, Is no, this no, fake no, news? No, Cody? no, no. I saw it right. I saw it right on. Best fight odds, and then when I clicked on her, it showed her as being three to one, which is exactly what I saw. Mm. And then I was like, "Huh, that's actually very surprising to me." But Molly McCann would be the pick. Like I don't. All right, Molly McCann is the pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Clearly, well, let's watch. Clearly I'm gonna watch the lane clearly before I make any right. any bets on that one. Yeah, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Um, we got. Abdul Razak Al Hassan coming back from legal issues. Thank God he got that all sorted. We don't have to get into any of that. Um, he's he got kind of a he was not case. charged with it, and who knows? Yeah, we, I don't know any of the details. Spot. It's of not it. our spot to get into. People do not show. come to us to talk about what happened in those types of situations. He takes on Munir Lazez, uh, who can be had for plus two seventy five. Al Hassan, absolute murderous power puncher. The guy's built like a shit brick house. He's going to come out aggressive. He's going to look shit, for a finish. A this is a, a, gr- a brick <laughs> yeah, shit house. I say that wrong all the time. Yeah, I yeah. say lots of things, I say wrong, things all the time. wrong all the time, too. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. We're just trying to yeah. get our thoughts out there. But, I know uh, what he meant. <laughs> people get the idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's really good. He comes out, and like for DraftKings purposes, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, this guy's going to come out and try to finish you in the first round. Absolutely. And he's going to probably, if he finishes you in the first round, he's getting a knockdown. Yeah, somebody's yeah, getting knocked out. He's yeah, not. Yeah. He rarely takes people down. I know that he has a judo background, but the guy just likes to throw his hands and he throws them hard. Um, I see Lazez. I haven't done tape on him yet. I see that he's a stand-up guy. Um, is there anything that we should be fearful of here, or is it Al Hassan? Al Hassan round one. 
Alizan by knockout. Is that is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, absolutely. And then when I do tw- tweet out like my best parlays, he'll be included in a lot of them. But but honestly, here, just think about this. Don't put him on all your parlays for the simple fact that he's been he's, on for a long time. He's 34 years old, mm-hmm. right? When we last saw him in action, 32. That is considered still the prime, the tail end of your prime. But then two years off because of legal issues and not knowing is the UFC even going to allow me to compete? Am I going to jail? Is it worth going to the gym and training twice a day when? When who knows what my freedom is going to look like, and then the case ends up falling apart back in the UFC. So, all, and the UFC has private guys that'll look into stuff as well, right? Same reason that Perry's not going to be fighting. They they would have had to have cleared him of any wrongdoing. So I'm not going to sit here and say Razul Razul is a piece yeah. of shit because like no, they I, tried to I the you know the I articles. Don't know about the details. Of look it. into so yourself. Look yeah. into yourself. Yeah. Make your own judgment. So, anyways, he's, now he's back in the UFC. He's 34. He hasn't fought in just shy of two years, right? When you do see him in action. Holy crap. The Saba Hamasi fight? Absolutely KO'd him. The Saba Hamasi fight? Absolutely. Absolutely KO'd him. And then the Nico Price fight. Nico Price loves dance. He absolutely blows through him. But these are three first-round knockouts. The loss to Amari Akhmedov, it was simply just stretch this guy. Mm-hmm. Get this guy out of the that's first round. Of course. That's, a a that's lot of his wins are all exactly same thing. In fact, you would have to go... He's never not finished a guy in the first round, okay? His wins, he's, his record is 10-1. and one. Right, he's got ten first round knockouts and a loss by split decision because it just went longer. So now you have to have faith on Manuri Laziz to get out of the first round. And good, good news for you. You know he's nine and one. His one loss by decision to a very tough Russian guy. Maybe he's got some durability. No, I don't think so. He's so stiff and rigid that he's going to be easy to hit. And you got to be at least evasive or as tough as nails in order to get hit. Mm-hmm. Mariak Maynov. Pretty tough as nails. And surprisingly evasive enough in the early going of fights. But was able to survive. I, I don't think this guy survives. He's not fond anybody decent other than his loss to Alder Alderov. And in Alderov's case, Alderov is currently, and keep Akhmed- this in mind. Akhmedov was a monster at 170. Like, so big. He's fighting 185 now, and he still looks big. Yeah, and, and, and Alderov is 12-1 and one as a professional. One knockout victory. Not a power puncher at all. Suffocating, wrestler type, mm-hmm. take you down, grind away at you. So him going the distance against Alderov, not all that impressive. Him fighting a real legit power puncher spells disaster. Even though he's $9,200, as far as DraftKings goes, you're going to want some Razak Al-Hassan. As far as the, you know, 335, you can bet on my knockout for a bit of a better price. Maybe you try to get him in first round knockout and try to hit a prop like that. All, all those things, you can chase all that all you want. Perfect. But as far as putting him on all your parlays as a lock, that's where it becomes greasy. That's where it becomes dicey just because there are some unknowns with this guy coming in to your layoff, 34 years old, all this crazy shit in his life, and he's a patented, needs to knock you out quick, mm-hmm. or doesn't have a great gas tank. Fair. Gonna have a worse gas tank now than he did when he was 32 and not traveling all the way to some random island in Abu Dhabi. Think about that. So it could be an apple pie shitter. That's, that's what I'm looking at. The, the first round prop is only plus 125. Yeah, as it's... Better than 335, my man. As it should Minus be. Like, that's how he wins like, Yeah, he's won, he's won 10 fights exactly like that. Yeah. And and by the way, Manur Aziz is literally the Maybe best he guy. He's slow, but like that's a, even at plus 120, uh, he's a minus 335 favorite. Like, I I'm not I have no intention of betting him by decision. If he gets out of round two, like I don't have very much faith in him to win round three. But maybe maybe he's taken this time off uh, and worked on all of those holes in his game. And if that's the case. I mean, I, he is 34 years old. It's hard to make all of those improvements. Maybe he's slowed down a little bit. But if he has improved his cardio in this time off, he's going to be a real problem for the next couple of years at least. Um, yeah, well, 34. Yeah, yeah, no, the time's now. He's got to go out there and, and knock this guy out. And I bet you he's chomping at the bit anxious oh, yeah. to get at it. So, I, yeah, that, that is the pick. I'm just saying, a little bit of buyer beware for myself. 
We got uh, Hazmat Kimaev taking on John Phillips. Kimaev, uh, promotional newcomer, 6-0, and uh, is a minus 335 favorite. Phillips, uh, the white Mike Tyson, I believe is his nickname. Wow, they don't let him use it they anymore. They don't let him use that yeah, nickname. Yeah, That's that the was, nickname that you'd like nickname. to call himself, yeah. is plus 275, I'm guessing. I haven't watched tape on uh, Hazmat yet, but I assume that he has a decent uh, wrestling or grappling game, and that is why he's a minus 335 as a promotional newcomer against John Phillips, who does not really have much of a ground game. Yeah, well, I, I'm just going to go on record to say it's probably another soft opener because it should be at least minus 500 for okay. uh, for Chimaev. Chimaev's actually definitely a Russian, and he definitely, a, I, I'm pretty sure he's one of those dead standing wrestling champions. He trains at uh, All-Stars. Right, but, he, but, he, but he does live and train full-time in Sweden, and they yeah. recognize him as like a Swedish prospect. Mm-hmm. However, don't let that fool you. He grew up on those same rugged mats as so many other decorated champion wrestlers, and the guy's got the goods. He seemingly you know, is able to wrestle very well. He's also... It looks like he's not the biggest guy. Like, uh, put it this way: this fight is at what 185 pounds, right? He's a he's a welterweight. He's got the height to be a middleweight, but he doesn't have like the density, like the thickness to be mm-hmm. a middleweight. And so Phillips's only chance of winning in any fight is it's lighting you up. There's a reason they call him. Like now they call him like the the, the Welsh wrecking machine or some stupid. Yeah. He he's the white Mike Tyson, and he has got a minute and a half, two minutes, maybe. Three, four minutes of cardio at the absolute most, and he will absolutely destroy you with his punching power. But he's so lazy, dude. And just like as his career's progressed, he's just not there anymore. He just routinely goes through the motions in all these fights. And you see very much his three-fight losing streak. He beats Alan Omandovsky. It's He beats Alan Omandovsky the way he could potentially win any fight. He just clubs him like 14 seconds into the fight and knocks him out. That's what keeps him relevant. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps him exciting. Nobody thought he should have had a fight in the UFC being on a, a three-fight losing streak, but they give him one more because, hey, he could be exciting. And he is. He delivers. But, like, that's not a consistent way to win. Does he have a puncher's chance? Absolutely, there's a puncher's chance. If you're going to play 100 DK lineups and you're looking for a punt, then, yeah, he, he's a great punt on any time you're playing multiple lineups, but he's not the safe play. And looking at Chizayev, it's hard to find solid tape of him, like, like full, full fights of him, but it's easy to find highlights and clips and whatnot. And just, like, he's very tenacious with his wrestling and very suffocating. And you said it yourself. That's yourself. a terrible matchup for John Phillips. A- absolutely. And then the last thing you need to consider for yourself here is that if you guys if you guys are team Kazmach Chimaev, who looks like a very nice little prospect here, okay? He's, he's undefeated. Um, he trains at All-Star, a good gym. He's got good management. Why would you allow him to take a fight up a weight class in the UFC because it's just such a perfect matchup. So they've mm-hmm. got faith in their man that even though they're giving up some size here, he is going to get this fight to the ground. And when he does get this fight to the ground, that's where it just... Phillips not only yeah, has bad take defense... Yeah, find a submission yeah, or, or ground and pound. And it's, it's, yeah, it's not even Phillips' takedown. But down. he'll control it. His takedown defense is very poor, but it's, it's when he is on the ground, he just can't get back up. Mm-hmm. And that is very bad against a chain wrestler and a guy with a suffocating top game. 100%. So Chimaev 335 seems like it's going to be one of the picks of the week type play. But because he's making his UC debut and he's only 6-0, he's not one of these take it to the bank. He's a fucking lock. It just it looks like from what we've seen, he should be able to hang. But Phillips has got, you know, 31 pro fights. has fought in the UFC. He's got knock, big knockouts. Like, again, buyer beware. But him and Razul Al-Hassan, guys like that parlayed together, that should be considered your safe plays. We got Ricardo Ramos taking on Lerone Murphy. Ramos, <laughs> minus 165. Murphy, 
plus 145. What's your take here? Yeah, I don't really have much of a take here. This is another one that I just, I'm going to have to physically sit back down and look at. I was touting him going into the Zabero to Hugov fight <clears throat> as potentially being a, a decent prospect and maybe like a guy that could spring an upset. He was a 245 underdog. I thought it would be a close fight. He showed me what I want to see in that fight and mm. ended up being a draw. People thought he lost. It didn't fucking matter. He's a 245 dog. Like, again, this is a developing prospect. But he has not fought since then, and that was almost a year ago. He was supposed to fight Gabriel Panitez, got canceled due to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Being off that year, he's only 28. I expect improvements out of him, but I just don't know. He struggled maybe against, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I thought he looked like a very good developing prospect, by the way, in that fight against Tuhugov. Tuhugov, a more experienced, more seasoned veteran. You knew was going to use his wrestling. It's shown off to have good striking. He had advantages everywhere, but Lerone Murphy was just kind of crafty and stuck around. Mm-hmm. And then looking at Ricardo Ramos, again. Uh, he like, looked like an exciting prospect when he was first coming yeah, in. Yeah, but he's, he almost seems half brittle. Like, he's very we, hittable. We question his chin. He's yeah. definitely hittable. So, and historically, as a prospect, he was just so wild and crazy, which could get him in trouble against a lot of different guys. I don't know if Lerone Murphy is one of those guys, is the question. <sighs> you know what's funny? Like, is, is this the level where he's... I mean, do we have to worry about Ramos? I think you have to worry about Ramos getting knocked out at any time well, based yeah. on his last few fights. Right, but. fair enough. See, see, here's the thing about, um, about, about Ramos, right? And we've talked about this for a while, so it's kind of funny that the careers potentially mirror imaging each other ever so slightly. But Ricardo Ramos, right from the get-go, and he's only 24 years old, but right from the get-go, we, we, we claim this is a poor man's Charles Oliveira, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like Charles, you know? He's tall, he's lanky, he stands upright, he's very fucking hittable, and he's dynamic. And he wants to finish. And he's scrappy. And he could finish you with a knockout. He could finish Took you with a Charles submission. Charles years to get to the, his Yeah, level. and just like Charles, there's a reputation that starts to grow where it's like, dude, once the heat gets put on this guy, he kind of folds up. Mm-hmm. And they had him fighting good guys. And when he fights low-level guys like Journey Newson and Eduardo Gargarori, yeah, it looks good. And when he fights guys like Saeed Nurmagomedov, who's not even like, you know, he's not even one of the good Nurmagomedovs. But still, it's like he's not hanging, he's not hanging at that upper echelon but he's only 24, and he's growing, and he's developing. And in Lerone Murphy, I just don't know. Like, Murphy's in the same boat. He's young, he's developing. But he might have that style that's just he's going to be able to win the exchanges, keep this fight standing, scramble when he needs to. And Ramos just doesn't, because he's he's still green in his own ways, he's got fights under his belt. He's got UFC experience. But because he's still only 24 and he's green in his ways, his biggest trouble in fights is, is, uh, is making on-the-fly adjustments. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between good fighters and great fighters, right? A lot of fighters can make adjustments between fights, right? Really good fighters make adjustments between rounds. And great fighters make adjustments mid-round. That's what Ramos struggles with, man. He doesn't make adjustments mid-round. He doesn't make adjustments between rounds. And he's kind of struggling to make adjustments between fights at that. He comes in better version of himself. He will be a more refined version of himself. But as of this very moment, I got this as a flat-out pass. But because I'm looking at 145, Lerone Murphy, he gave me a solid effort as a 245 dog his last time out without looking at it, just talking just like we just did now. I would be leaning towards Lerone Murphy by decision. Um, but I'd probably have to say pass. I, I got something here for yeah, you. So he, op- it was, he was plus 120 when he opened. He got bet all the way. Like it, Ramos got steamed, and then he got up to like plus 160. Now he's back down to 135. Oh, Fred, wow. It moved since I made this. Like, yeah. just These are probably so all it was soft. It went up I, think I, I have a question, though. This yeah. is my thing. He's only 7,400 on DraftKings. Who like, is? Murphy? Murphy. So, like, everyone else in his odds range is, like, plus 275, plus yeah. 275. Like, what yeah, did he, what, what, what did he score What did he score against um, his last time against Zuhugov? Because that's his problem. Is I, don't, I don't think he's going to be a high score. He can win. If you're just looking for a guy that's going to win, he can win. 
but I, I don't think he like I don't think he's got the power or nor the submission game. Definitely not the submission game, nor the power to maybe hurt. He could hurt Ramos. I don't know that he knocks out Ramos. Uh, let's see here. In his last fight, he scored. Maybe I'm wrong. Guy's got finishes. A low level guys though, so it's, that's hard to gauge. Really, one fight in the UFC. He scored. This was was this against who did he fight last time? Zubair Tuhugov, only fight in the UFC. Yeah, he scored 22 points. That's right, right. And now it was a draw. So yeah. even if you give him the decision win, he didn't score fuck all. Yeah. So that's that's the issue here. Now, I'll give you one thing. I'll give you one thing. Fighting Tuhugov, who's got high uh, ring generalship, high ring IQ, fights a Kamaru. People don't love it. This could be a lot but, more but, of a yeah, high pace right. banger. Ramos is going to give you a fight. You want to fight? Ah, He's Ramos give you give opportunities you a to have a high pace. So he so can score the winner definitely could definitely, The winner of this fight could definitely be a good DraftKings play. But it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a high variance type of spot. Yeah, yeah. That's what it sums up. A lot of question up. marks on both guys. That's what it sums up to in the end. He gave up six takedowns against Tuhugov. So it's very hard to score punches when you're getting taken down six times. Ricardo Ramos... If he got three and you got up three times, he'd have trouble making the. You know what I mean? Like he does. He wouldn't keep chugging through. He's not a chain wrestler. He's not mm-hmm. a guy that's going to grit you through. If you were getting up off his takedowns, you'd start seeing he'd become more vulnerable and more hittable and more desperate. And uh, yeah, soft, soft openings, soft lines, that's soft the, pick. Lerone. That's Murphy. the thing about all of these lines on this card. By the time people get around, they're like, "What odds are they look like?" It's. A lot of these lines, like you know, the Saturday card ended. People didn't even pay any sort of attention to this card. So, like, these lines are going to move a whole bunch from the sounds of it. Like, it's moved 30 points on this fight alone um, in, like, an hour since I since I made this sheet up for the boys. Um, so, yeah, you know. Obviously, yeah, look, look to uh, Cody and I on Twitter uh, if you need any more questions as the week rolls along. Want to watch the weigh-ins for a few of these fights, obviously. All right, we got Modesto, Modestas. Uh, Bukowskis taking on Andreas Mikalidis. I think I said those right. Uh, minus 230, Bukowskis. Mikalidis is plus 190. Any takes here? Yeah, so we can rifle through a couple of these because as you'll notice, I started with the top of the card in my brief, what the time I did have. Um, Modesto Bukowskis, he can't, Bukowskis can't be trusted. Mikalidis can't be trusted. Oh, you're gonna want to hit times. a flat. You're gonna want to hit a flat pass on this. If you were looking for something though, Mikalidis is at least a plus one ninety. The reason why Modestus uh, Bukaukis is a is a flat pass is they'll have you believe he's a finishing machine and he has finished his last six opponents, six fight winning streak. He's a cage warriors champion. He's fought in deep into the fights. He doesn't seem to have a cardio issue. Looks like a very fun prospect indeed. Both of his losses are very very quick finishes. He lost a heel hook in eighteen seconds to uh, Pavel Dorfde, but he lost to John Redmond by knockout in a minute and 12. This is especially notable because John Redmond was 5-11 and 11 at the time. Five wins, 11 losses. Yikes. He caught Bukaukas walking in a minute 12 in, and then the submission loss is 18 seconds into the fight. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Jeez, it was four years ago. He hasn't lost since then. He's still young. He's developing. I, I completely agree. I just don't know that a guy that just tries to bomb on him couldn't catch him still. And there becomes your big issue here is that this Andreas Michaelitis, I remember him back. He competed on uh, Bellator. He was in like the season three or season two light heavyweight tournament. He lost to Jason Butcher in 28 seconds into the second round. Not known for his great chin, but he comes forward on you. His losses, he's got three career losses. All three of his career losses are by knockout. So 
I'll fully admit, Bakelkis probably goes out there and knocks him out. However, one of them is getting knocked out. Mm -hmm. And I don't really like Bakelkis. He's not a great prospect. I don't think he's ultra durable. He's making his UFC debut. The fight's virtually on short notice. He doesn't seem overly big. And I just feel like Mikolaitis is going to go out on his shield because he always goes out on his shield. So it's a pass for me. One of these guys will probably end up on the optimal because one of them is getting fucking knocked out. And at 9,000, Bakaukas is going to be a better option than a guy like Razul Al-Hassan. They both might get first-round knockouts, but one of them is going to save you $200, right? Mm -hmm. The flip side there is like Al-Hassan, if he loses, like he's, it's probably just that he gets tired after the first round and it's a later decision. Whereas, you know, if one of these guys loses, I think they're getting, I think they're getting clipped. I think mm -hmm. they're going down. At 230, it's just too much of a price tag. If it was minus 165, I'd say, you know what? Bakaukas is the better prospect. I would take him. At 230, I'm just, I really want no part of that. And uh, against a guy who, again, uh, just, just watch back. If you, if you, you can go on Fight Pass, you can punch in Andreas Michalaitis, and they just one fight for you to watch. It's one it, last April against Marcel Fortuna. You remember performing UFC heavyweight, and it's in Titan FC, and he hits him with a motherfucking spinning back kick to the head, knocks him out. It's wild. It's crazy. And this guy looks big as a light heavyweight against Fortuna. He used to fight a heavyweight. It's like, damn, I want to bet against that guy. Like at two thirty versus, I don't know, man. The price is just it's it's a d dangerous, volatile fight. I can understanding needing some exposure to it on DraftKings, but as far as like extended parlays go and and a straight pick. Like I don't know, it would be a dogger pass, but your 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 best move is. Probably, what about Nicolina's seven to one first round? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't even know. Well, I mean, like I don't want I don't want to say so I don't want to no say idea. that. Oh, geez, that would be my play. But it's like that's the kind of price that makes it interesting for you. Where it's like, hey, one of these guys probably goes down. The thing is, is that I think Bukaukas is the better fighter, has the better skill set. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm playing it that I don't want to go minus 230 on a suspect chin on a guy making his UC debut on short notice who I'm not sold on to begin with. Losing to Paul Redman really, really just kind of gives you an idea of this guy's going to have to win a lot of fights. You, okay, you know what I need to see from him? This is exactly, I mean, John Redman. Paul Redman's a featherweight. It's actually serviceable. But, but this is what I would need to see out of him. I'd need to see him chin-checked, fucking kicked in the head, hit in the head, big shot, maybe even go down and get back up and keep going to then be like, he doesn't have a chin issue. But none of these guys have really hit him. And so, I don't know. I don't know. Pass. I'm talking Pass. too much about this crap fight. Pass. We got Jared Gordon taking on Chris Fishgold. Jared Gordon, minus 145 favorite. Fishgold, plus 125. I like Jared Gordon in fights where I think he has a wrestling advantage. He's able to take down his opponents, and uh, he has a you know high-pressure style. And he can really, really rack up the takedowns and uh, progressions and uh, the ground and pound strikes. Like, that's his bread and butter. Chris Fishgold, former uh, British Olympian in wrestling, isn't no, he? No, no, or, no. Yeah, no. I know who you're thinking of, but that's who am not I thinking him. of? Did I, did I mess this up? Yeah, you're uh, thinking of clearly, the guy that clearly lost Clearly, I'm way too tired to be doing no, this No, I'll today. tell you his name in a second, and I should know too. But... Fishgold is, what, Till's wrestling coach? No. You got the wrong Who guy. am I thinking of here? Yeah, if this stupid fucking spell check would spell Nad Naramani, I'll tell you. That's not who I'm thinking No, of. but that's the guy who oh, just yes. beat Nad Naramani is exactly what I'm trying to tell you. His name, the guy you're thinking of, is Mike Grundy. Yeah, that's who I was thinking Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, Fish, Fish, Chris Fishgold is a shit-eating wild man, goes for it, former Cage Warriors champion, has gone five rounds against like Alaskans like Nick Huron Webb, and is just a dynamite I want to finish as quick as possible. But he's got cardio issues, and he needs mm -hmm. to rely on the submission. Now, Jared Gordon does not look like he can take a punch at all. No. And that is a that's serious... That's big red flag on him now. Serious freaking problem, man, because this is a game of punchy-kicky to the head, 
And as much as I like Jared Gordon's story, oh, you know, recovering drug addict, and he mm-hmm. comes to the UFC, and he looked good in the UFC, his first couple fights, red flag right away was he was taking a lot of damage right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. He got through Michelle Quinones. He got through Hacker and Diaz. He took some shots. And when Diego Ferreira knocked him out, and it was like a police brutality video, right? Remember he had him, like, cuffed? He had the one arm cuffed, and he's just smashing. It's hard. It's like, oh, my God. Gordon just got beaten bad. Comes back against Joaquin Silva. Bad knockout. Good fight. He has his moments. They go back and forth. But he gets blasted away in the Ferreira fight. And against Charles Oliveira, why would you even book him in this fight? You must really have a personal vendetta against this guy. But it's like nasty. Doesn't even last 90 seconds. No. Minute 26, I think. And just absolutely buzzsawed through. Nasty knockout. How has this guy come back from that? How does he come back from that? I'll tell you how he comes back from it. Chris Fishgold, 18 pro wins, only three knockouts. Guys, 10% of his pro wins are by TKO. He's not a power puncher. He's a great submission grappler. He's a guy that loves to go out there, take you down, rip you to the ground, and submit you. Mm-hmm. And against a former John Hanninger death squad brown belt and Jared Gordon, I don't see it happening. And Jared Gordon also has a great gas tank. So honestly, I think Fishgold pushes the pace. Fishgold will swing bombs on him because obviously you're, you're tape That's studying. Be the best path you're to tape studying and you're seeing how chinny this guy is. And, you know, we talk about, you know, Shogun's chinny. And what happens is uh, Paul Craig Bearju just swings on him. And apparently it's like even a guy with no knockouts on his record, with no punching power, can, can seriously hurt you if you just swing. I expect Fishgold to swing on him. If he doesn't get that knockout, and I'm leaning towards he doesn't get that early knockout, he'll start to tire. When he starts to tire, Jared Gordon's taken over. Once Jared Gordon takes over, I mean, he that gets means it done. Jared Gordon's the draft, like a draft, like 8,300. He I, doesn't lose. I've He's been a begging yeah. to play Jared Gordon again. When he first started, stop. he was just the guy was putting up like 130, 140 points every single time he went out there. Yeah. Obviously, the chin did not. But even I think it was uh, against. Uh, Brazilian guy, Joaquin Silva. Yeah, yeah, great fight. He but scored like eight, he scored like eighty <laughs> points in a second round knockout loss or some shit like that. Like absurd. Yeah, yeah. And, or and, maybe and, it was like eighty. But either way, it's like you, he still got the value. Lost the fight in like the second round. And, yeah, and he was fine. Mind you, if I'm walking down the street and someone comes up to me and they say, "What do you think about Diego Ferreira striking?" Well, fuck, sick strike. Dude, guy's got nice hands on him. He loves to swing bomb. Good underrated power. Yeah, yeah. He's Diego Ferreira is a good striker. What do you think about Joaquim Silva? Not as refined, but man, a tremendous amount of power. Swings bomb. And he's a stand-up specialist. At least with Ferrari, he's a BJJ black belt as well. No, this is all Joaquim does. And Charles Oliveira, again, dual specialist. Stand-up looks absolutely on another level. Jiu-Jitsu has always been on another level. Yeah, okay, so he's losing to those guys. Chris Fishgold is not a good boxer. He's not a good striker. What he does is he sticks in your face and he tries to wilt, break your will, and grind away at you. Mm-hmm. A guy that cheated death by ODing on drugs, has got a will you can't break. He's got a chin you can break. We've seen that, but he's got a will you can't break. Jared Gordon, if he gets through that first round, and I think he will, he perseveres, he gets this win, and he will score handsomely on DK if he gets that victory. So that's what I'm looking at, 145, and or minus 145. Finally, unless I don't have all the fights listed You here don't, but sheet. we'll just get through these quick. We have Diana Belbita taking on Liana Jajua. Belvita, minus 165, Jajua, plus 145. Any thoughts, sir? I don't. Well, full disclosure, uh, Diana Belbita, her coach is Cruellin. He's a friend of mine, and she uh, trains like 20 minutes down the road. True, true, true. So she makes her UFC debut, and she makes her UFC debut against Molly McCann, and she didn't look good in the sense that 
didn't look like a future world champion or didn't look like a refined prospect or anything like that. But that's a tough fight for someone who was 23 years old to be coming to the UFC and taking on Molly McCann, who had fights in the organization, was a former Cage Warriors champion, mm -hmm. and just had the type of style that I can grind with you and I can take you down. Now, Belbita, Belbita's from this, um, I guess in Romania, they get these schools, right? They'll, they'll like, they like draft you into these sports schools. You know, Cuba does it with boxing and baseball and judo and stuff like that as well. Romania has these like specialized schools. So Balbita was a specialized student and she took kickboxing. And she's a very good kickboxer. And then after her kickboxing days are over, she's out of school. She's only 24 now. After that's done, it's like, I want to go to the next level. What do you do? Now, Kruel Lin, great ties with a lot of Romanian fires, a lot of Romanian gyms. And he's from those same systems. And he was a world-class kickboxer. And he is currently, for my money's worth, not even just saying this because I like the guy, but for my mind's worth, he's, he's the best coach in Canada. He's better than Frost because he's developed his fighters. Frost has had fighters go to the gym that ended up being world champions and, and great fighters, but but Allen's built guys. Now, he hasn't built her. She's from Romania, but she's made that transition of leaving there, coming to Canada, and training with a good team, and her wrestling seems to be getting better. And against the Molly McCann fight, you just see she's very green, right? Like... The, the takedown defense, she stuffs the first couple takedowns, looks good. But it's like eventually on that second and third attempt gets her down, you know. And then, then she's throwing up submissions and they look good. But like eventually when they don't stick, you just see her slowly start to wilt away. I expect a fully better version of her. What you saw was an unrefined product that stands to make some improvements. Now, Joshua, I want to believe that Joshua would be the exact same. I mean, Joshua is only 25 years old. And Joshua was the former Fight Night's global champion when she beat Marani Maktina. But then coming to the UFC and fighting Sarah Maras, bad style for her. But boy, oh boy, it was just like there was nothing there. She didn't want to let her hands go. When she did let her hands go, she has no power. Mm -hmm. Looking on her record, it's all submissions. She's never not, she's sorry, I stand corrected. She knocked out her second career opponent. She was one knockout victory on her opponent and then some submissions. Well, wasn't going to take Sarah Moraz down, wasn't going to submit Sarah Moraz. No plan B, looked completely lost, went through the motions, and then got TKO by Sarah Moraz. There was no real takeaway there. 25, I expect her to get better. If they give her a striker, which they just did, you'll be able to see a little more from her. But there just wasn't enough. Balbita will come in with the better improvements. Balbita will, I, I think, get the victory. However, all that being said, it's not a good price tag. Like, minus 165, it's a women's MMA fight between two girls that are 0-1 in the division. They're both strikers. They both didn't show you the best version of themselves the first time out. And last, but certainly not least, uh, Joshua lost to Sarah Moros at 135 pounds, right? And this fight's at 125. So at least there, she loses her debut at 35. She's dropping down to 125. Important to note, her entire career has been fought at 135 and as high as 145. So her coming down to 125, another fight, you got to look at the scales. If she comes down and is finally fighting in her actual weight class and has some size to her and isn't going to get bullied around as easily this time, at least worth having a look at, worth keeping your eye on before you would go and bet against her, especially because the price tag on fading her is 165. I would certainly say watch the way and see what this girl looks at like at 125. And she, come, she could come back as a much better version, a much more comfortable version, octagon jitters out of the way, all that crap and give a better outing. And so for that reason, your best idea is to pass. I know you don't have the next two fights listed, yeah, so I'll just I'll I just not, rifle. What I, I, I got them right here. I got out. them right here. Yeah. Uh, so you have Aaron Phillips, plus 550, <laughs> against the most expensive player on DraftKings. Oh, yeah, Jack Shore. How did Jack, that night Jack Shore, the so they're 94 and 6,800. It must have been two sheets, and I only printed... Page one. Yeah, it's it's all it's all good. So Jack Shore was obviously the play. They opened the line at five fifty. It's already steamed to seven hundred, and it'll it'll be just like uh, it'll, be it'll be just like Rebus. It'll be like Rebus. Oh, it'll go to nine hundred, and then people on the internet will be like, "I would never bet the guy who's only one and on the UFC at nine hundred, which, which, which is not a bad take. Which is not a bad take. Which is not a bad take. But yeah, again, it's like why why do you want a guy that's this inexperienced in his UFC career, just building up? 
at minus 900. He's minus 7 now, but he will get steamed. Someone will make a bet. He'll come back down to 700, just like Rebus did, and it should somehow float in that range. But what Jack Shore has shown you is just, like, tenacity, heart, good grappling, and he just he just sticks at it. His entire Cage Warriors run, man. Put him in a sticky situation, he finds a way to get out. Oh, you got on top of him, you took him down, you hurt him with a punch, you're a better striker, you're a better grappler, you're a better wrestler, finds a way to win, great cardio, Actual, legitimately good prospect. Only 25 years old. He comes to the UFC. They give him a softball matchup with Noeline Hernandez. Noeline Hernandez is a uh, professional boxer. He's got some scrappy grappling. It doesn't matter. Shore does what he does. He's not world-class yet. He's still young. He's still developing. He's going to make some mistakes. But at least this is somebody worth keeping your eye on. He was supposed to fight Anderson Dos Santos. We would a very good fight for him. Anderson Dos Santos has no punching power. But he's a big guy and a strong guy. And technically, BJJ Black Belt would at least been a little bit fun in that regard. The issue with Aaron with Aaron Phillips is that like we just it's going to be hard to get a read on Aaron Phillips. He is a UFC veteran already. His fight in the UFC was when he lost to Sam Cecilia in 2014. He then had another fight against Matt Hobar in 2014, August the 23rd. Crowbar. Yeah, the Matt the Crowbar Hobar Hobar's only win where he lost, and then immediately the UFC cuts him. Right, he takes like four months off, and then he loses to Chris Gutierrez, who ended up you guys all know going to the UFC, and then it was just like he took three years off. He just vanished. Comes comes back, beats Andy Brossett two and one. It's just, it's just you know three years off. Hey, eh? just that's what you gotta do. A little softball so matchup. Fight for short. Yeah, I miss the adrenaline rush. You know, I got a family now. I got a job. I fucking miss the rush. So you beat a guy that's two and one. Oh, you know, I felt really good. Four months later, he beats a guy that's zero and one. Who the fuck signs up to fight a UFC veteran when you're zero and one? Mm-hmm. Beyond me. But anyways, he but he wins and he's feeling good. Six months later, he comes back and he beats a guy that's six and seven. It's just like he's not serious about this. No. He's not serious about that secondary run. It you know, he, he's, 30 like he's, fought, he's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He hasn't old, been so successful not... against the right type of people to be successful at this. Well, level. to his credit, his last two fights, finally he takes some steps up. He got a seven-two an opponent, seven and two, and he won a decision. And then he got a ten and five opponent. He was able to knock him out in the second round. That is so club level, middling, just regional mm-hmm. scene level, and not impressive regional scene level. There's no way he gets a shot in the UFC. It wasn't for the fact that his, you know, his manager manages some other guys in the UFC. He's a standby opponent if somebody falls out, and he's being literally fed to Jack Shore, a legitimately good prospect. Paul, friends don't let friends bet on guys that beat on Matt Hobar, that <laughs> lost to Matt Hobar, even if it was six years ago. Just you, you just don't do it. And I can't tell you anything you don't already know by looking at minus seven hundred. Jack Shore is the big. The last fight. The last. Last fight is Jorge Gonzalez. I have, yeah. Uh, plus 130, 7,500 bucks on DraftKings against Kenneth Berg. Minus oh, 160. Oh, yes. We were watching tape on that. So I told you, I was yes. like, bring that shit up. Okay. We were watching tape on that bef- okay. right before me and So, were so very that. tentatively because, yeah. Well, I, mean, we I knew he was on the card. I, this, I just, I, <laughs> all good, all good. I, I got to get you this shit. First sheet, thinking that it was all <laughs> on one sheet. It's all right. Okay, so the story on Kenneth Berg is I just don't think he's all that good. Now, he is tattooed from literally, like, t- face tatted and everything, small face tat, but literally he's just tattooed at his entire body. He is one mean-looking motherfucker. You would not want to fuck with this guy. And then, the year's 2016, little Cody is watching Ultimate Fighter Season 23. This guy, tatted from literally top to bottom, is trying out at 205 pounds against Eric Spicely, who is billed as a guy that loved fighting people at the skate park. And Eric Spicely choked him out in 33 seconds. It was a laughable experience. Since then, he went back to Cage Warriors. He fought on the regional scene in Cage Warriors. And he's fought absolute mid-level competition and, and, and beaten them. Mm-hmm. But not looked overly good by any stretch of the imagination. Just he's beaten them. 
Dana White finally says, you know what? We'll give you a contender series slot. He fights on contender series. That was a fight you were just talking about. We watched. He got steamrolled out of there by Antonio Tricoli. He actually showed glimpses of absolutely nothing. He just pressed him straight into the cage. Didn't throw any punches. No. Pressed him straight into the cage. Didn't look like he had a sound Wasn't able to drop down to hips. Was... No, no positioning off that cage. Then Tricoli was able to just judo toss this man, mm-hmm. mind you, onto his ass and then just settled on top of him. He, he gave jumped, up. He gave up the arm, the arm triangle, triangle choke like immediately, right away. And yeah. then Tricoli takes his back. He he scrambles into the back take right away and gives up the rear naked choke right away. What are the odds on that again? On this fight, the, the odds are Pastonia? plus one or minus one sixty plus one thirty, but that is shortening by the second. Okay. So it was because Berg is minus one sixty as of the time mm-hmm. of this recording. Yeah, so it was mi- it was minus one eighty-five earlier, and uh, people, Gonzalez was plus one fifty. That Berg ain't. Sh- Ain't, uh, ain't deserving of a price tag like so, that. So to give you the Cody quick run-through rundown. So then now this is his last five fights. Oh, one and two opponent. He beats him by submission. Norman Parisi has a nice record. Norman Parisi was also on the Ultimate yeah, Fighter. Yeah, Bellator guy too. He, yeah, Bellator guy. Known in the Ultimate Fighter for the French guy that sat between his, uh, on, remember between rounds, was like, I don't want to fight no more. And everyone was making the joke, France threatened in the war. And it was like, fuck <laughs> you guys, right? I'm part French myself. That Norman Parisi. Yeah, no, he beat Norman Parisi. Okay, fair enough. Then he lost to Tricoli because Tricoli got, uh, was on steroids, right? Not surprising. Because, and that's not why he lo- looked bad against Tricoli, by the way. He just looked bad. Tricoli ended up pos- pissing positive afterwards. That's a no contest. Now you don't see it on his record. Now you don't see the immediate reasoning on it, but he didn't look good. His fight since then, 0-0 opponent and 14-19 and opponent. Mm-hmm. How he could be the favorite over absolutely anybody is astounding. But what you see is, oh, Jorge Gonzalez is coming in literally in four days' notice. He's a Mexican boxer, and I'll take a shot on Berg. No, he's more than that, man. He knocked out Luke Barnett. This is early last year, but Luke Barnett's over in Russia fighting top guys and is a decent fighter. Mm-hmm. He then lost to an undefeated top Russian prospect, Nasrundin Nazdurinov, who he almost went two full rounds with. Impressive to me when you're fighting a, a guy of this caliber. And then he choked out his last opponent in a, in a minute and five seconds. That last opponent was 8-0. Mm-hmm. He's not that bad. He's fighting an ACA in Russia. You don't mind siding on the dotted line against tough guys. He's had some some uphill battles in his career. I think he's most definitely a live dog. Pat says money. 7,500 on Pat says, Kings, Well, right, right. And that's the other thing is that anybody can finish Berg. It's mm-hmm. just extend Berg out two rounds and he'll, he'll just give it up. Mm-hmm. So Gonzalez has got to put some heat on him. And give it up. The only one thing that would prevent me from taking a real nice little dog stab is that wow, four days. Yeah, one, four days. And like Pat said, four I fucked days up. and it's Yas Island. I, 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 I fucked tra- Pat. Like, I fucked Pat travel. on the Max Christian gonna, pick. I fucked Pat on the Max and Christian pick, right? Because even though I thought Christian had the tools to win this fight, Christian took the fight on four days' notice, and he looked like it. He oh. threw punches for two minutes and was exhausted, and that was it. Gonzalez is going to have to have a decent gas tank. That yeah. is one thing that's preventing you from going. And, I mean, come on. I've spent 45 minutes tape studying this card or something stupid. So, so I made more than that a couple of hours. But that's not one of them I spend a whole lot of time on. So I will look at it some more. But the tentative pick would be this has got to be Dogger Pass, mm-hmm. baby. Rifling it through again. I got to get out of here. Uh, we are going with... So we're just. Oh I no, guess, we're gonna talk DK, but but we got to rifle through this. Yeah, game. I'm fading. I'm fading pretty fast here. Yeah, so we got uh, Cal or we got Dan Ige, underdog. Tim Elliott, minus one twenty five, so slight favorite. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take Jimmy Rivera, also a slight favorite. Molly McCann, for some reason, is currently a slight favorite. Rabdul Azak Hassan, three thirty five. Kazmat Chimaev, three thirty five. We're gonna take Lerone Murphy. That's gonna be our second official dog. Uh, I, I mean, I want to take a 
flat pass, but I guess seventy two hundred dollars in draft. I, I I'll take the dog. Fuck it. I'll take Andreas. No 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna I take mean, I'm gonna take Buscokas. The official pick on it is gonna be Buscokas. Do not lock in a ton of money on that fight. Clearly, because Cody, Jared, Jared Gordon, Deanna Belbita, and then rounding off the last two fights, I'm gonna take Jack Shore, and then Jorge Gonzalez is officially the third dog. So this is a 12 fight offering. I'm gonna go with nine favorites, three dogs. Uh, let's get through DraftKings and maybe a few prop bets. But uh, yeah, it's just one. We're gonna have to now do another show on Wednesday, mm-hmm. right? Which is well, the day of the fight. So May- I don't think we're going to do it on Wednesday. We're just going to watch the fight. Okay. We're going to re- release the next show. Maybe we'll release it on Friday morning. It's going to be a little bit later than usual, but I mean, there's two fight cards in the week. Well, three, three fight cards in what? Seven days. So, um, and we have Tiger Woods is back this week in golf. So it's a pretty Crazy busy week. schedule. I know for everybody. I know everybody's busy. Um, yeah. DraftKings questions. Uh, let's, let's hear him fat. So best Quick finish, like a knockout or a submission. Al-Hassan. Is it, it Alhassan? Yeah, think so. Al Alhassan. Anyone else? Like you said, the, like the Michelinas guy, the frozen would, food man. Uh, bo- both of them are live for a, for a yeah. Quick but I think finish. I would want to if I was going to take the gamble at seventy two hundred for DraftKings. Then then, that, then that's fair. He's live for that. I what, can't even respond. What about this uh, Gonzalez guy? <laughs> if he wins, is it by knockout? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the I other think guy, so. The other I guy so. was trying, like, holding a guy against the cage and then got judo tossed when he kind of got tired, looked lost on his back, gave up an arm triangle. It looks like if things don't go well for Berg early, he gives up quick. So I would say, yeah. Right, yeah. So the other ones are the, but, like, most takedowns Elliot and Gordon? Elliot's always live. Elliot's absolutely live because he's got the takedowns. The other guy that you're going to want to look at is, is Gordon's is, a high scorer. Yeah, when he, and, when and it I'm looking. Well. And I'm absolutely looking. Okay, here's the crazy thing about this week. You've got Elliot, a guy that's a lot. Elliot is Elliot has broken slates in the past, mm-hmm. right? Jared Gordon has absolutely mauled slates in the past. Yeah. You got two guys. You at least got one guy in, in Al Hassan who's got a great path for a first round knockout, and you got Kazma Chimaev who could score two or three takedowns and then sub this motherfucker in the first round. Those are all. Have, then you have Jack Shore up at ninety four hundred. Jack Shore like should run a train on this guy. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and Pat, you can't fit them all in one Pat, lineup. No, no, you can't. However, George Gonzalez, who is a very cheap play, has sixteen pro wins, twelve knockouts, and four submissions. Motherfuckers finished all sixteen of his wins. Let's go. Now he's got five pro losses, one knockout, four submissions. Motherfucker never been. 21 pro fights. He's never been to the scorecards. Gonzalez, so this is the kind go. of guy you want on DK, right? Uh, I'm saying this week you and could then the break, beauty you of could it, have a great lineup and not make no fucking money. The beauty of it. I, it love, could happen. I love this. When, it when, could happen. If, when Gonzalez busts on the first fight of the night, what do we do? We Rebuild. Play, we play the televised yeah. card. Yeah, exactly. You know, you build in, you build in that fail safe. Hey, and then you just lose more money. I just built a lineup. Tall of would you go with Shore or would you go with uh, your guy, the Swedish Russian guy, Chimeyev? I mean, you save five hundred by j- going down to Kamayev. So uh, just real quick for me, do you have their numbers from their last fights? What they put uh, out? I can I can mm. find that. Actually, don't. Let me just tell you one second. Kamayev, it's his debut. Yeah, I would say I would say I would say Kamayev. At eighty nine hundred. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because like Aaron Phillips, for as bad as he has been, he hasn't really shown to be super. Doesn't have really like not chinny. He doesn't mm-hmm. have bad submission game. You know, he's scrappy. He's got nothing to lose. He's fighting for it here. I could see him sticking around a couple rounds and then fall, falling over. Whereas like John Phillips was not expecting to get this call. John Phillips is like, what? Okay, 
Who's this guy that I'm fighting? And again, and, and, and when we said, oh, you know what? You got to watch this fight. You got to watch Tim Elliott at the weigh-ins. See, see, and Ryan Benoit, let's see what the size is like. I really want to see Taylor Santos at the weigh-ins. You know, mm-hmm. like, is she way bigger now? Abdul Rizal Hasak, is he as jacked as he used to be? You know, John Phillips is a fat fuck when he wants to be. When he's in shape, he's still a fat fuck. But you really got to monitor him at weigh-ins, mm-hmm. believe me. See what he comes in He could in come at. in looking like heavyweight Jean Volante. And, and you know what? It don't matter because he's just going to swing them coconuts. And if he hits you with one of them, you're going to sleep. But Chimaev just seems like, you don't, you don't get a pass out of Russia as a wrestling champion to go to Sweden. What happens is, I don't want to get too far into it, but it's like buying athletes, okay? It's like buying athletes, right? Canada is never going to win an Olympic medal. No, I shouldn't say never. It's going to mm-hmm. take a long time to win an Olympic medal in, in men's wrestling. And yeah. it's going to be very, very difficult. What happens is, is that you sponsor a Russian athlete's visa. He comes over here, gets a citizenship, represents you. Azerbaijan does it all the time. They sell athletes all the time to countries. I, I've got the feeling that that's why he's in Sweden. He's a top-level wrestler, was able to get out. That shows that he's got pedigree. He's got credentials. He's undefeated. They've given him a, you know, he's moving up a weight class just to make this debut happen. Maybe he's getting older. He's filling in his frame. I think he's a safe pick. Again, if you've put all these guys on a, on a, on a lineup, if it goes the way I think it's going to go, yeah, you're getting, you're getting guys with five, six takedowns, getting the victory and getting a finish, and you're getting first-round knockouts, guys, getting a finish. It's getting that cheap guy, whether it be Gonzalez, or whether it be Andreas Michalaitis. Dude, you Those guys are either going to fuck you, you in the you ace, or they're going to make your ticket. So that's Ige's right there at 71 as well. Ige's 71. Five round God fight. God damn, you this is a tough You think he's going to win a five round fight? 71, we can, we can get up there. You can get up to kind of, I don't know, I have, I'll have toy around. But yeah, with Ige and like a Gonzalez, you can take some heavy some heavy hitters for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and Jared Gordon. A lot Gordon, of good plays though. That's Jared, Jared Gordon's 8,300. 80, he could score five takedowns and still get a second round TKO yeah. or his finish. You know, yeah. like, my God, it could be a big week. But mm, as I say big, that. High scoring week. Nothing in life Over is Over 700 simple. points nothing is definitely is in play this week, I think. Uh, b- b- before for the Paul falls asleep and you need to go, how dare yeah. you disrespect Daniel Egali? Canadian wrestling gold medalist in 2000. I remember that guy. Was he a heavyweight? What did he, he wrestle at? Uh, I don't know. He was like a freestyler guy. I just remember he he won a gold medal in Sydney. I just remember. You know what? Extremely impressive. And I shouldn't say <laughs> like, oh, Canada doesn't have good wrestlers. It's just so few and far between, man. Like, and, and, and I'll tell you something. Winning the Olympic gold medal, very impressive. Go win the world championship. T- I'll tell you. There's a tournament as tough if not tougher than the Olympic Games. You know, Olympic Games, you got to draw properly. That Those world games, man, Jesus. That's why you know Jordan Bros is the real deal. He's won at every single level. He's the greatest. Yeah. Uh, some of these other guys, Ben Askren, for example, a great college guy, made the Olympics, he would not have lasted no fucking time at the world level. Yo Romero, guy, lasted at the world level and an Olympic level. That there's, You know when they say there's levels to this? It's like jiu-jitsu, just like wrestling. That There are levels to this. And I, and I think that level, Phillips gets taken down by bad wrestlers, mm-hmm. you know? Charles Bird's taking his ass down take, and kicking his ass. Uh, anybody named Kazman, <laughs> Kamzat Chimaev, should have his way with him. Sounds good to me. Any final questions there, Pat? No, I'm good. Right. Okay, so yeah. That wraps it wrap up for it us up. this week. Thank you, Cody Saftik, breaking down the fights with me as always. Thank you to Pat. For all the sweet cuts and everything behind the glass, all the prop bets, uh, look up, all the research, Pat's been doing a great job for us. So for Pat and Cody, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. 
Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.